Welcome to Army National Guard Combat Field Studies Digital Edition. I'm Sergeant Aaron Heft. Today we're marking the anniversary of a historic event with the Wisconsin Army National Guard's Major Brian Fultonson. And we'll be talking about the 32nd Division's mobilization to Fort Lewis, Washington in support of U.S. operations in Germany. And what that mobilization teaches modern leaders today in our force. Major Fultonson, thanks for coming back on with us. Hey, it's great to be with you, Aaron. So let's start with a situation that's quite familiar to the National Guard today. In 1945, the 32nd Infantry Division returns home from the Pacific and begins that demobilization process, and more importantly, the reorganization of the National Guard of Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about that time period and what it meant for the soldiers in the Wisconsin Guard? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Um, the, uh, the 32nd Division, like every other National Guard division in World War II, was completely discharged from the Army at the end of World War II, and each state had to rebuild its National Guard force within its in its state so it can do its state and federal missions. Uh, the 32nd was starting to be rebuilt entirely within the state of Wisconsin in uh, 1947 and 48, and eventually was probably about to full strength by uh, 1949, and was trained throughout the 1950s. Um, kind of kind of an important part about that is uh, there is a strong cadre within the division of uh, very experienced uh, senior NCOs and uh, officers who had fought with the division or in other army units in World War II and were now kind of formed a solid cadre to help uh, form the division because most of the brand new soldiers had never been in the military before. And uh, so they, there is very important to, uh, to uh, bring them up to speed and then bring them back into, uh, so you can get a quality military unit that could go out there and uh, support the United States Army or be prepared in the state of Wisconsin in case there is an emergency. Yeah, I think that's a, a situation that's very familiar to our force today as, as you know, operations in Iraq and Afghanistan wind down. It's really those experienced combat NCOs and uh, officers who are shaping the force uh, of new soldiers coming in, uh, you know, fresh from basic training in AIT. And, you know, despite that that uh, drawdown from operational assignments, you know, we as a guard force still have to be ready and prepared to deploy at a moment's notice, much like the uh, Minnesota Guard did uh, not that long ago in Kabul. So I, the uh, National Guard as a whole did contribute uh, soldiers and airmen to the Korean War. Uh, the Wisconsin National Guard did not was not involved in that operation. But uh as the 1950s moved into the 1960s, there were seven of the 27 National Guard divisions that were considered high priority units. Uh, one of those was the 32nd Infantry Division. And uh, what a high priority unit meant uh, to the National Guard and the Department of Defense was those are the first National Guard divisions that would be called up to augment the United States Army uh, in an operation anywhere in the world. It would take some time to get that unit ready completely to deploy, but um, it was the, they, they knew that they would be called first and uh, their training, they, there's, as a result, they would receive a little more equipment and I had a higher authorized strength. Um, they had some more resources to prepare their units to deploy. Um, the 32nd Division um, coming out of 1960 to 1961 was uh, probably fully reconstituted and, uh, and uh, is a as a unit that could uh, you know, fully embrace that it was a high operational or high, high priority unit uh, within the, the National Guard. 
So the 1960s, I mean, we know that's a pretty turbulent time, you know, politically in the United States and, you know, emotionally for a lot of the population. So what was it like for National Guardsmen from Wisconsin during that time period, being at such a, a high state of operational readiness and being prepared to deploy at any moment? Um, the, the, at the time, units uh, did not drill on drill weekends. It was uh, one night a week for, it would be a drill period. So as every week, a soldier would attend a drill. And, uh, and then also there is your annual training periods. And there were constant evaluations by active duty soldiers coming in to evaluate guard units to ensure their readiness. And coming out of the 1961 annual training, 32nd Division had multiple units that uh, um, had achieved a high level of readiness. So Major Fulton, what happens in Europe at this time that kind of changes things for the, the op-tempo op of the Wisconsin National Guard? In uh, 1961 was a very hot period in the Cold War, as in there's a lot of tension between um, the United States and the Soviet Union. Uh, there was some face-offs that had people thought coming out of World War II maybe go to a, uh, a hot war or a conventional war or even a nuclear war. Uh, people were very, very scared at the time about that. It was a real thought that... Uh, Again, there had been a war in, 19, in World War I and then World War II, and then thinking maybe 20 years later, you know, we're going to have another one. So there's very high tensions between um, the U.S. and the Soviet Union, and they came to a head in 1961 in Berlin. Uh, Berlin was uh, occupied by the four major powers of the Soviet Union, France, England, and the United States to uh, kind of occupy and manage the city. and uh, with the Soviet Union saying in the in 1961 that, hey, we're going to stop that and we're going to block all access to Berlin from uh, the other three powers. But then also all of the East Germans were trying to escape communism and were using Berlin as their route to try to escape that. And, in, and uh, so it was coming to a head and then the, there's actually American tanks and Soviet tanks facing each other. Um, seeing who would waiting for the order to pull the trigger and start a war. So that was a stage in like June and July and August of 1961, very tense. And uh, President Kennedy, uh, he wanted to ramp up U.S. forces as a show of force um, to hopefully deter a war. He didn't want to fight the Soviet Union. He wanted to deter a conflict with some with a with strength from the active duty and uh, and uh, bringing over some American active duty forces to Europe potentially. But the key point of that is those units who would leave the United States from active duty would be National Guard units filling in, and they would have been that next line of units to go over to your Europe in case a war actually happened. So that's where the 32nd comes in, and then the 49th Armored Division of Texas come in. Those are the two divisions that were tapped by President Kennedy to be mobilized as backfill units for the 4th Infantry Division at Fort Lewis and the uh, 1st Armored Division at Fort Hood. And uh, those active duty units were totally staged to fly to Europe immediately, and then the 32nd's role and the and the 49th Armored Division from Texas, their role was to be prepared to be a fully operational and integrated uh, Army division with the active duty. Wow, so all that extra training and all that rebuilding post-World War II is really going to pay off in that time frame then. 
So what does what that mobilization, what does that call to duty look like for the Wisconsin Guard? So they come out of annual training in June and July, and they receive very high marks. And then President Kennedy starts having units all over the nation do extra drills to help get ready, and then started identify units to um, potentially be called up. Um, there, besides those two divisions, there was like 260 individual guard units at the company and battalion level that were used to augment other parts of the uh, U.S. Army. And, uh, you know, basically 39 states contributed forces to this mobilization, about nearly 250,000 soldiers. And uh, so in October, the 32nd Division moved out to Fort Lewis, Washington, which is the home base of the 4th Division at the time. And they started um, to arrive there, train, get some replacement equipment, and then integrate about 3,500 Army reservists because um, the Wisconsin Guard was authorized about 10,000 soldiers, and uh, they had that, but the division was authorized about 14,000 soldiers. And uh, so, and that they, the, they designed it that way to be filled with an Army Reserve filler to bring it up to war fighting strength. And those troops had to be then integrated in the first couple months while they are in Fort Lewis. That sounds like a pretty incredible process to pull them together and, and get them mobilized, their ranks filled out, and get them shipped off to Fort Lewis. So what happens once they get there? What type of training do they go through? What uh, type of activities do they perform for the Army? So back up just a half a, half a minute. Um, so... World War I was 40 years prior to this. World War II was 20 years prior to this. Uh, there's, there's actual stories of you have fathers or grandfathers deploying for World War I with the 32nd Division, fathers deploying to World War II with the 32nd Division, and now you have grandsons deploying in 1961 with the 32nd Division. So it's getting to be a routine thing in the communities within the, within the state. Um, there's a Life magazine cover of showing the 30 seconds getting called up again. And uh, there are scenes throughout the state of soldiers getting on trains, departing their home armories, saying goodbye to their families, and then marching off for the third time in 40 to 50 years to uh, be ready to defend our nation, not knowing how that would turn out. So that's, uh, that's an important part of the National Guard and it is, as the most community-oriented uh, force that we have in the U.S. Army, and that's what makes the Guards powerful and makes it special. So when they got to Fort Lewis, they found a bunch of World War II barracks that hadn't been used for about 10 years, and they had to repair those. They had to get everything ready to go. Basically, like any other deployment um, that we're all experienced with is you move somewhere, it just, things go badly, it doesn't go well, you gotta integrate into new processes. So it was very painful in that respect. Um, and the Army was not ready to integrate National Guard soldiers into its force structure um, and some, 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 uh, those processes were exposed and then were worked, to be worked out later on. But uh, they eventually got all integrated in physicals and uh, immunizations and all that other stuff and all these new troops integrated in. And then they started doing squad training, platoon training, company training, um, working their way up into um, battalion, training or a battle group at the time and uh, higher level training integrated with um, um, combat, all integrated or combined arms, I should say. They had, they had armor, they had artillery, they integrated air operations, they integrated uh, airlift capability. Uh, they 
They conducted operations in a mock nuclear environment because that's the way they thought it would be back then. Uh, they, the guard or the, the 32nd Division actually had an artillery battery that could fire nuclear tipped uh, missiles. And uh, they started to integrate those operations in, into uh, their training. And uh, so by March of 1962, uh, they had gone through several uh, um, brigade or you know, about a, two to 3,000 troop exercises and then culminating in a division-wide exercise um, that was essentially part of the largest uh, active duty um, training exercise conducted after World War II. So a process of building up from squad to platoon to company and on up level uh, training exercises, integrated operations between combined arms forces, and even some seaburn activities. I think that kind of reminds me of a lot of the operations we've got going on in non-combat environment today. Uh, very similar training model and, and method of preparing. So how long does Wisconsin stay there? And, and what does that mean for their readiness when they, when they do eventually redeploy back home? So the... The unit started to head back to Wisconsin in August of 1962. The, uh, the tensions between the Soviet Union and the United States had dissipated uh, going into 1962, but uh, the, the 32nd was on duty for a year approximately. And uh, during that time, they, they became part of the Strategic Army Reserve, or STRAC. And a STRAC unit then was defined as uh, a unit that could deploy anywhere in the world on relatively short notice to deal with what are called small brush fire wars. Um, and it wouldn't be the big major uh, conventional war like in Europe or whatever, but what, a, what if a side mission or a side uh, hotspot started somewhere in the world to distract the United States from a larger strategic goal? Uh, they had to have forces to be able to go deal with that at a moment's notice, and that's what STRAC units were for. So from basically March through April, I'm, I'm sorry, March through August of 1962, uh, the Wisconsin National Guard's 32nd Division was uh, in a STRAC status. Uh, it had 300 soldiers absolutely ready to go anywhere in the world in a couple hours notice uh, with the rest of the division following very shortly or as fast as the equipment could be moved to anywhere in the world. So uh, there was uh, probably about eight units total in the Army uh, that could conduct this. And these are units like the 82nd Airborne, the 101st, um, 101st Division, uh, the 1st Division. So the 32nd was right in there with those units for this period of time. And then when the units, when they, when the, when the 32nd was then um, uh, demobilized at home, they went back to their regular regular lives, and uh, you know the strack status went away after that. But uh, you had a lot of uh, very experienced, very well trained soldiers to create a cadre within the Wisconsin National Guard. So, when these Wisconsin National Guardsmen are called up for the Berlin crisis, what does that mean for their their personal lives, for their families? Uh, this was actually a pretty disruptive employment or deployment um, for members of the Wisconsin National Guard. Uh, it was not like in World War One and World War Two, where the National Guard of the entire country was mobilized. It was uh, basically mostly two states, with you know smatterings from throughout the rest of the country. But uh, so 
you have 10,000 soldiers that uh, depart the state and they have jobs and they have families and uh, they have careers, they have mortgages to pay. And uh, we, we, there's a lot of resources in place now for when a soldier deploys and to assist the families. And uh, certainly the pay and the benefits are far superior now than they were in 1961. Uh, so there's a lot of hardship with regard to, uh, you know, people lost, didn't always have a job to come back to. And there's some great job protections now in place. And there's some financial resources in place for those who are struggling with the uh, loss of income. So, so there are some hard lessons learned and uh, we, we today as soldiers benefit from some of these hard lessons that these soldiers had to experience. So, uh, so that's a good thing that, uh, you know, if we're gonna be a more operational force that our force is taken care of. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of us in retrospect, looking back at the Cold War, you know, now we know uh, that there was no major nuclear conflict between uh, you know, Russia and the United States. We know no major conflict broke out in Europe, but at the time that was a, re you know, a, a very real fear. And I think uh, you know, it's the same situation for a lot of our units deployed today. I think you know, if we look at that task force from the Minnesota Army National Guard that not that long ago had to deploy alongside many of those units you mentioned uh, you know, to Kabul and, and you know, help out with the situation there, I think you know, this is an experience that a lot of us in the Guard who are on non-combat operations uh, can really learn from. So, I mean, going from that, you know, as a historian, looking back at the Berlin crisis and looking back at the deployment of the Wisconsin National Guard, what can a modern soldier today take away from that, especially somebody who's already slated for a deployment to somewhere uh, like Kuwait or Europe? Uh, the key thing to that is, you know, you always need to be ready to perform your mission. And uh, over the past year, year and a half has never been more true within the entire National Guard in this nation. Uh, we as soldiers have been have to be ready to stand up for any mission, whether that is uh, COVID or civil disturbance or whatever type of mission comes along, support at the Capitol, uh, support for missions overseas, uh, support for uh, no notice mission in Kabul and Afghanistan. Uh, our soldiers are fully integrated as operational reserves now, um, relied upon and needed by the U.S. Army to help them fulfill their mission. Uh, when with regard to that, is the Berlin crisis kind of a key point in the in the strategic slash operational reserve of the National Guard because this incident was the first time that a National Guard unit was mobilized as a tool in foreign policy. Uh, it was used as um, is to try to leverage or gain something out of um, the opponent or the Soviet Union uh, without actually using arms or, or using a conflict. Uh, President Kennedy was asked why he mobilized the 32nd Division, and he said, I did not mobilize the 32nd to fight a war. I mobilized them to, in order to prevent a war. So it was um, a very key, important use of the military as as a tool to help de-escalate what, what probably would have been a very destructive uh, conventional and possibly nuclear war in Europe at the time. I think those are some great points, sir. And I think it just kind of reinforces why it's so important as soldiers to look back at our past to kind of shape the way we prepare and respond to uh, you know, tasks and missions in the future. So if I'm a soldier in the Army National Guard and I want to know more about the 32nd Division's mobilization and deployment to the Berlin crisis, where might I find more about this topic? So we're, the Wisconsin National Guard, we're putting out some uh, 
pretty good historical product on this uh, mobilization, and the best way to get at it is uh, through the Wisconsin National Guard Facebook page. Major Fultonson, thanks for coming back out on the program today and talking with us about the Berlin crisis. Uh, we appreciate you coming out and uh, taking the time to speak with us. Uh, thanks, Sergeant Heft. Uh, it's always great to come here and talk about National Guard history and the history of the 32nd Division of Wisconsin. Outstanding, sir. Well, Major Fultonson, thank you for coming out and talking with us about this important subject. Uh, for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. And if you're looking for more historical topics or training activities in the Army National Guard, feel free to take a look at Leaders Recon on Facebook or check us out on Instagram at ARNG underscore leader underscore development.